Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. You know, there, it just it occurred to me, it's like, wait a second, I've seen this name. What's the <laughs> name that I've seen before? What is that name? The name is Vuk. The name is Vuk. That's the name I've seen before. But before we get to who Vuk is, what Vuk is, mysterious as he may be. Yeah. Cameron. Yeah. Cameron. Gabe. <laughs> we are we are live, man. Welcome live. to Privacy, please. Gabe and I are here with a special guest. Um, his name is Vuk. Um, like Luke. It's uh, yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, we wanted to uh, kick things off. But before we before we get to you, Vuk, I want to know how Gabe's doing real quick. How you doing, man? Everything good? I'm good. I couldn't make it out to summer camp with you last week. Oh, uh, yes. Was summer camp. That's the real question. How was Hacker Summer Camp, a.k.a. Summer Camp? It was good. It was really fun. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. And I think also because it, it was kind of I, – I, I wish I got to stay for DEF CON because it seemed like it picked up and, and it had a better um, type of vibe, in my opinion. The be. type of people, yeah, the type of people that go to 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 DefCon and stuff, and it it definitely picked up on that last day because of all of them actually coming in. So, uh, but it was a great event. We had we had a lot of fun and got to see a lot of people and some good some good friends that have come on the podcast as well. So great, right great stuff. I got a text Missed message you. from 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 one of our favorite guests and friends, James McQuiggan. He uh, yeah, he caught, a, he caught a wild Cameron sighting in the wild and texted me. <laughs> yeah, he did with. I didn't think he'd recognize me with this beard. So, but uh, anyways, right. Vuk, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We're really excited to have you. Uh, would love to <clears throat> just learn about, you know, tell the listeners, you tell know, where you came you. from and who you are. Yeah, tell us about yourself. Absolutely, Cam and Gabe. Uh, happy to be uh, a part of today's episode. Um, I am a co-founder and. The CEO of BlindNet, BlindNet is a data privacy infrastructure or a cloud service specifically targeting privacy as close as privacy engineering. We'll definitely sort of deep dive into what we do and why we do what we do, but a little bit about myself and about my, you know, co-founders, which I think could be very interesting sort of to, uh, to intro us and to learn about our stories. Um, I met Milan and Philip. Those are two co-founders that, you know, uh, are building BlindNet with me. We actually studied undergrad together in Serbia, all three of us originally from Serbia. Fun fact, Vuk actually means wolf, like the animal. So like, you, you know, no one Serbian word and, you know, I'm not, not sure if you're ever going to use it, but at least it's, uh, it's definitely more a fun fact. Than I knew about five minutes ago. So that's good. So, exactly. <laughs> did, uh, did, did your parents name you Vuk after you were born? Were you uh, born with a lot of hair or? Like a wolf? Uh, no, so it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's just a uh, part of a folklore. It's uh, like uh, very common to give kids name Vuk, like by animals, just because it's Vuk cool. is 
wolf is considered a very strong animal. And like mm-hmm. in the, the you know, 17th, 18th century, like pretty much everywhere, the medicine was not advanced and kids were dying at like a very high rate. So the mothers mm-hmm. were like, the families were hoping by giving them like a strong animal name that the kids will survive. But the Vuk one sort of remained and sort of went into the common mainstream culture, right? And it's like, it's a very common name. It's not on the Western side. You know, there's Wolf Blitzer on CNN, but like the name Wolf is not very very common in the western um western world but in the slavic world sort of like on the you know east europe eastern europe and whatnot it's like vuk or versions of it volk in russian and that's oh, a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. common name oh fascinating that's really neat yeah, yeah. So going back to the story yeah so I, I i started with them but then we sort of sort of diverged um, in terms of our career paths, I always say it's, 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 it's an interesting story how I love computer science. I love studying computer science, even have master's in computer science. And when I started working for a startup, which was based out of Switzerland, I realized that for six months, shit, this is not what I want to do. This is sort of like <laughs> I was looking around at some senior developers and I was literally just thinking to myself, it's like, I don't want to turn into this when I'm like 40. I'm like, this is not what I would do with my life. And on top of that, I'm a very big extrovert for you know, your uh, listeners who are into Myers-Briggs and profiling, but not, I'm very strong extrovert. I'm ESTJ, but very strong extrovert, right? And and being a developer was not a good good match for me. So I pivoted my career with an MBA. That's why actually when I came to the States, I was lucky enough to get accepted into MIT, which sort of like opened up a lot of, um, a lot of faucets and a lot of avenues for me. And then since then, you know, for the past like 11 years, I mostly work in data related um, topics from consulting to financial services to two startups, right? But everything sort of evolves around data. And this is where I sort of caught the wind of, of privacy of sort of like, you know, when I was working in financial services, right, I realized that the companies are actually not caring that much about personal data protection, personal privacy protection, security, yes, privacy that was sort of an afterthought. It was never thought as a way of like, okay, what is our data and what is our customer's data? I always give an example of a credit card. You know, we all use credit cards. We don't think about that product. The product is the underlying credit that the bank or any other writer gives you, right? That's the product. Like when you swipe the card at a bodega on the corner to buy a sandwich, right? All of the information, the time you swipe the card, the location you swipe the card, it's actually your information. Like what the bank administers is only that credit, that movement, and let's say the sandwich is $10, the movement of $10 from your account to that merchant's account, right? That is the product. Everything around that data Everything around that transaction, the data that you generate with that transaction, it's actually your data. And this is where the legislator figure it out. Be like, okay, wait a minute. We have to really think about what is the product and what is the what is the data that you know this product generates, which is actually you generated with the usage of that product. And this is what I realized. I remember this is 2014, 2015. I had this like very fierce discussion with senior leadership at not to mention the bank. I mean, people can see it on my LinkedIn, but not to mention it here, where we had this discussion of like, well, who owns this data? Whose data is this? Is this transaction data? Like, how do we, you know, how do we think about monetizing this data? And I was like, well, wait a minute, like, can we, can we really do that? And we we're like, oh, they, they signed the, you know, service terms and agreements, which by the way, no one reads. It's like, mm-hmm. when you go to like, except for the credit card, it's like, yeah, they give you this like 40 page document, which is sort of like all legal language. And 
your average consumer just like can figure it out what it all means, right? And this is what I was sort of like I started realizing. Go wait a minute, and then you know, not to get a lot of a lot of uh, your previous guests mentioned some of the challenges when it comes to online privacy. Like, so we're not going to deep dive on there, but there's a lot of over the last eight or ten years, like the the rise of social media, the rise of of platform businesses, whether it's search platforms or monetization platforms or ad platforms, right? So, like, there's this whole idea of of quite essentially trading your personal information for quote unquote free service. Like, and this is where, you know, we said, wait a minute, this is really like, we, we can do better. Right. Uh, this is sort of my story, how I got into, into the privacy and why I'm really passionate about it. At the same time, these two friends, Melanie and Philip, who I studied with, they went on sort of like, what well, we said, like full deep dive into computer science, they get their PhD in AI, and they were building their first AI startup. They were building AI recommendation engine for travel websites, but on an anonymized data set. So they were not using personalized cookies, and they were helping travel websites build the best uh, travel offer for their visitors without using any personal information, right? Mm. And this is, this is 2016, 17, 18, when the GDPR uh, was already elected and was about to get in enforcement in 2018. And Milan was actually part of W3 Consortium writing recommendations for GDPR, right? So they were trying to be at the forefront and sort of like the front runners of creating an AI system that actually protects the data, right? And as developers, as engineers, they realized that it's really hard for software developers to build privacy-preserving software experiences like and I, I studied computer science and like i don't know what the kids are learning today but when we did that uh course right back like 10 15 15 years ago or more uh, you did not have a school of thought where it'd be like okay this is how you build privacy first software or privacy but design software something that you know a term that we throw out left and right these days but the 15 years ago or even today you don't get that knowledge so we saw an opportunity right. it's hard to build that and there's an opportunity to build architecture courses to educate developers how to build privacy build design or privacy preserving experiences that we said like we we go beyond the architecture software we're saying like hey you want and, and you know ultimately you want to build trust with your with your end consumers and clients right and this is this is exactly why the two the three of us two i say two of them as engineers and myself as as a clear overhead, as a business guy coming in and saying like, hey, we can build BlindNet. This is the mission of BlindNet. We always say BlindNet helps companies build products and services that customers love and trust. We bold that trust piece because that is the key key mission, uh, key, key factor in our mission. Do you think trust is actually something that digital companies can still achieve? I know that's a very cynical question, but... Um... Well, hell, I'm a cynical man. <laughs> I, I I do believe so, right? We actually, what I want to uh, 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 call your attention is that we ran a consumer study to really understand how they think about online interactions. And we came up with this, and we didn't come up with a term, but we really came up that, that this term called privacy paradox is in full force, right? Is that people want privacy, but they use services that put privacy at risk every single day. And the reason they do that, so I'll go backwards, is this like privacy fatigue, right? It's sort of like you sort of feel helpless. Like the only way to truly protect your privacy is to go offline. And going offline is really not the best choice in 2022 uh, to do that, right? 
And to some extent, you can, you know, use certain services. Like, but you, you've all seen Apple being like privacy, that's Apple or Apple, that's privacy ads, right? You can use different providers, different search engines, da, 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 right? But for the average consumer, it's like it becomes cumbersome to understand actually what, you know, what data is being collected in them and how that data is being used. So we reach this like truly mm-hmm. privacy fatigue where you just feel helpless. You're just like, I really can't can't deal with it. I'm not going to read this 40 page terms and conditions. I'm not, I'm just going to like go with the flow. And people try to rationalize, be like, oh, well, I have nothing to hide. Well, privacy is not about secrecy. And this is the main misconception what I, uh, what I, uh, you know, encounter with people. It's not about you withholding or hiding information. It's you having the ability, you have the power to control what information on you is being collected and how that information is being right. used. Right. That is privacy. What we sort of give a very natural, very human example of building relationship in real life. So, for example, when Gabe and Cam, you two hosts, are becoming friends, we always say like, oh, the way to build this friendship is to go through experiences. And the way you go through experiences, you you reveal yourself a little bit more. You're disclosing more information of how you act, how you think. Right. So you have this very natural rhythm, very natural dynamic of building relationship with another, for the sake of argument, let's call it system, but another human being where you're slowly disclosing yourself through interaction. Like you go have barbecue, go to a sports game, you do this, you're sort of, you know, opening yourself, you're revealing more and more information of how you think, how you feel, what are your values, da 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 da, to another system, to another person. Why can we replicate that online? Why do we have to be in this sort of like constant surveillance of like, I don't I can like withhold any information, like all of the information that I do online is just constantly being monitored and siphoned somewhere. I don't even know where that is. So we're saying, hey, let's actually build an infrastructure that allows you as a participant of an online system to address how much information you disclose, how that information is being used, and then have ability to revoke consent. You know, when you want to break up friendship, you're just like, I don't want to hang up with you. I think you're a bad person. You move away. That person doesn't have that you know, doesn't learn anything new about you, da, da, da. You just walk on the other, walk to the other side. And it's like, why don't we have that ability online? It's like, you know, we, we mastered this. We have books about how to be a better uh, communicator and this and that, but like, why don't we have that online? A self-help book on privacy. I think, I think we should write that. I will write that. Well, <laughs> be good. I wouldn't even, I, will I read that? I'm not sure if I'll read that. I'll read it. I'll definitely read it. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, and again, we're like always changing one person at a time, just changing perception of what privacy is online. There is, again, very, very clear confusion, security versus privacy, privacy versus secrecy. It's, and these are all three different concepts. Like privacy is your right to control your data. That's it. It's not security. It's not like making sure the data has like nobody unauthorized access data secrecy. It's like, yes, there are a lot of like masking, synthetic data, da, 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 da. It's like keeping the data unreadable on bubble of privacy, is something different. Privacy is like your ability to control your rights when it comes to your personal sensitive information. Okay. I'm with I see you. you guys are all like thinking, well, looking aside. You, yeah. Cause you yeah. use some words that I really appreciated as a response to my mm-hmm. sense, namely fatigue. And that I think is a, is an accurate description. That's probably what I was trying to convey, which is to say, can, can companies who 
have a very clear profit motive to collect and process data. And look, I don't begrudge the profit motive. I, I don't particularly like capitalism, but I, I exist within its framework. Um, so I understand it. I, you know, I, I acquiesce at best. Um, but, uh, but that fatigue. So, so you're going to remove some of that fatigue, but I think the real question for me, and I'm, I'm obviously playing devil's advocate, maybe not obviously, but I am, I'm playing devil's advocate here. So as the, as the consumer, I might feel better if I actually knew that they were doing some of these things that, that you're talking about, but how do I know, like, how do I test as a consumer that we're going through these experiences and that I can then go through the next one and the next one? Like how, like, how do I build that trust? Yeah. Well, so that is a really great question. A question that we constantly work with our existing clients. And that is that you have to brag about it, right? What we've learned is that your average consumer just assumes bad intention online, right? Yes. They're just sort of like, they're very, they're very leery about websites and when they're being asked for cookies and when they're being asked for personal information. And we actually asked, these are all anonymous. We asked like, how many times you submit wrong email address? How many times you submit a wrong phone number? And it ended up being something like 70%. Actually, I'll send you links after you can include it yes, in the description the, uh, um, to read. Mm -hmm to read this survey. And it's quite interesting how like people, people assume worse until proven otherwise, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how, how, you know, when you meet somebody new at, at, a, at a barbecue party, you assume they have good intentions until they're proven otherwise. And they'll be like, Oh no, you're actually a bad person after like a few times you hang out. But like, it takes a while for you to build that understanding. And it's kind of interesting how people have, totally opposite for online system. They just assume every online system is just like a big brother. It's just like lurking all the information they can, they can, um, they can collect on, on users without consent or without transparency and how that data is being used. Right. So mm -hmm. you're going to our clients and saying like, you really have to brag that your privacy first, you really have to go down the Apple route of even putting ads, it's just being very clear, be like, hey, you know, and what we build, we can talk later a little bit about our service offering. We built this web, white label web components where people can put like, you know, think of this as like a user portal. Be like, hey, you, you want access, you want deletion, you want to re revoke consent, you want transparency, you want to understand what data is being used, how it's being used, what's the retention policy. It's like, and all of this should be automated. Like, you know, like it's almost saying like, hey, you know, you submit this information and we'll give you everything. You'll be able to know what the system does on you. So Gabe, to your question, like, is it possible? I think it is. I think it is. Like I have, and again, to speak very concretely, let's talk about Meta because Meta is like the biggest sort of elephant in a room is a company that really build. Listeners at home, he means Facebook, the evil entity formerly known as <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, look, I, it's not point that they're evil it's like they build their go-to-market their revenue engine based on mm -hmm. that information and i've i've you know and they've built a system uh where you can actually see what data they have they can add you can actually see your profile your targeting ad profiles on facebook the problem with that is that it's very convoluted it's like six sub menus out there you really have to like navigate it and almost see like how to tutorials on Facebook to actually view that data, right? And if Facebook really wants to be transparent, like, you know, this should be like front and center. It'd be like, hey, your privacy is what we really care about. Like, it's not just a checkbox 
for GDPR or for CPRA. It's sort of like, hey, we want you to use our service. We want you to trust Facebook that the data that you give us, we use it for this consent, for this reason. And you can see it not necessarily like on page 37 of some 50-page privacy policy, but it's very transparent. It's very easy. We use this information for these ads, for this, on these platforms. And it's like, it should be fairly simple. And it should be like, you know, one sub menu be like, hey, here's privacy. Here's everything we have on you. Here's like, you know, it should be transparent. Like there should not be something that, you know, you have to navigate through like, you know, hoops and whatnot to get into, to understand how company is using that. So I think it's possible. The question is like, are they going to pivot to that model? Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's, that's, let me a challenge that decision. Let me challenge that. Going back to, yeah. to your, your company statement around trust. Have they lost that trust already? Can they even attempt to try to get back going into that realm? It's, it's, I don't, I don't have the perfect answer to that. I think. No, right. It's, I think Facebook is truly an outlier is that it's losing trust, but the people are still using it. Like you see the, when you look at their, you know, quarterly reports, revenue reports, there's, they're still growing. Right. But we love to hate Facebook. We just love to like bash that company at every single opportunity. I mean, right. And, and, and they're growing. Wait, I, bash, <laughs> I mean, yes, they're losing a lot of people for TikTok, but eating parasites. It's the same. I mean, I don't like bash them for, for like, you know, being altruistic. It's in the same way, I dislike parasites. I like, I'm being hard on them. I am, but here's why. But here's why. Because what, what we're really getting at is the following you mentioned transparency. And GDPR says things like, you know, you have to tell me as the as the uh, the data owner, the data subject, um, uh, how you will be processing my data, right? But when but when the intent of using my data is uh, behavioral modification versus ad placement, it's really hard for you to be transparent about that. And then what do you say? You do you actually say things like, well, we're trying to convince Gabe that he really should buy an electric vehicle. Now, inherently, when I use the words behavioral modification, like your first thought or sentiment may have felt a little nefarious, like, ooh, that feels weird. But if I then said, followed up with that sentence of, I just want to convince Vuk that he really should be driving an electric vehicle. And here's why I think he should, right? Like, I want to change his behavior and how he affects the planet. It may not inherently be nefarious, but when the thing that you offer to other organizations is behavioral modification um, by way of strategic ad placements um, and more than just ad placements, a lot more than just ad placements, it's hard to come back from that. But more importantly, moving forward, the next guy who comes along and replaces them, let's say he, he, he's a blind net, he's a blind net devotee. He's got your framework in place. How do I trust that organization? So we have to decouple, decouple intent yeah. from the placement of that intent. So if I say I'm going to use your zip code to place automobile ads, mm-hmm. right? I can't, as as a privacy company, all I care is about your data. How the data is being used is right. governed by a different policy, right? Sure. This is sort of you know, how they want to incentivize, if we're talking about ads, how they want to incentivize people who they charge for their services. They can say like, oh, if you're electric vehicle manufacturer, then we're going to give you this incentive to like, you know, steer your behavior in, in, a, in a certain fashion. That is not 
necessarily privacy. That's a different, that's sort of, that's a marketing, marketing question. Privacy, again, I just, I, and the reason I, I, I keep mentioning what privacy is, it's, it's, it's not going to solve all the problems in the world, yeah. but like starting with transparency and starting with the ability to give you the power back right, to right. control your data, revoke access to the data, pull back, have all that information to you. It's that is the power of like how the data is necessarily being used. If you say like, Hey, I don't want to get this EV ads anymore on this platform, pull my data. Right. And then you have the ability to really vote with your feed. You know, we always say in real life, if you don't something, you just leave. And, but you, you, you don't have that ability. You can't leave Google. You can't leave Facebook today. You can, you actually can leave Apple, which is a great example of, of privacy, but you can, like, I always say like, we have HIPAA for 30 something years, 31 year. Right. And you still cannot easily, which is totally mind blowing, given the, all the many med tech startups out there, <laughs> health tech startups, is that you still can move your data from one provider to oh. another, from one hospital system. Portability, not privacy, but yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's just like I, I went to one dentist and I changed dentists and I'm like, I'm giving my effing data. It's like, those are my x-rays of my teeth. I'm like, why? Just give me. Right. Like, why do you? Why do you? That's need a that great data? point. That's and a great giving, point. And like, so, for example, I always say credit cards. Like, we can port cell phone numbers. You don't like AT and T? You move to T Mobile. The number stays with you. Hey, here's a crazy idea. Why don't we port credit cards? I don't like Chase points. I'm gonna move to Amex. It's my credit card. All the transaction stays with me. I I bought that sandwich in Bodega from the example earlier. I'm like that. That is my transaction. It's not Chase's. It's not Banks of America. It's like. It's mine. I moved that data. And now that mm -hmm. credit, again, the product is the credit. Now it's administered by this company. Now it's administered by this startup. It's like, but credit card is mine. It's my data. Why do I have to change a credit card and then update all of the apps that I'm on? I mean, it's like, it's my data. And this is the, what the GDPR CPRAs yeah. are trying to solve, right? We'll see where we land, but this is where Flynet actually comes in. Like putting down on like, what is the actual consumer data, creating this metadata level, of what we call a privacy preserving metadata level and then creating an automation computation engine when it comes to privacy requests. That's a thoughtful answer. And, and, and I do believe you are, are accurate. I probably should separate the collection from, from the processing and intent. It is difficult for the obvious reasons to, to separate them because like you collect them with an intent, full stop. Like there, there are very few people that don't collect with intent. There is an intent. In, yeah, before you you collect, but uh, absolutely, absolutely, you give consent on certain usage, but like you know, you give consent on a general usage. We will use your information for placing ads. What kind of ads, you know? And this is sort of the the content of it becomes becomes a questionable. What you were sort of going after, like what kind of ads? Because because through excuse me, through ads, you're gonna you know steer my behavior. Right, da 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 da, steer my thinking or the you know placement of groups and da 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 da, da right? It's it's not a privacy problem; it's an intent problem. Like, but again, if you have the ability to truly say, "Well, stop it! I don't like your platform. It's becoming too left or right, or too aggressive, or too this or that." You need to be you need to have ability. I bought five EVs. It's too many. Stop! Please stop! <laughs> <laughs> I can't fit anymore. In this 
but privacy is also like you know when it comes to like like one of the stuff that is also near and dear to my heart is like cyberbullying. Like we always hide mm-hmm. behind this idea of anonymized online person, and right. And some platforms thrive on that, thrive on giving you this ability to hide behind a pseudonym. Um, and if you have YouTube, privacy, you can you can YouTube is the worst with that when it comes to YouTube like, and Reddit. Hate. You know, sort of yeah. Reddit discords being. But with this school kind of like have found a niche, found a niche uh, for it. But like Reddit, she would like its crown back, please. It's uh... yeah, yeah. YouTube and Reddit being sort of like this, you know, rabbit holes of conspiracy theories and and whatnot. But the privacy is all about like, okay, you post something on it, and why don't I have an easy ability to like pull all of my plugs and just like pull myself out? Of that platform. So imagine, like, we always say, like, revenge porn, which is actually now getting part of e directive. So you can be actually sentenced to prison for mm-hmm. revenge porn, right? But what if I send that picture to Facebook, right? Even if it's a private, sensitive, you know, R rated picture, but what if you tag this with blindness saying, you know, this is John Doe posted this picture for a private conversation, and that picture somehow ended up being in a public forum. Mm-hmm. If you have a blinded metadata there, you can easily track to be like, no, this person revoked and that picture disappears from all the public posts. It's like you revoke consent. I don't want that picture anywhere. Right. Instead of now we have this idea of like, oh, they don't really track where this information there, where this asset goes. And they have this headache. Now we have like thousand Accenture consultants trying to figure out where the, this picture appears and have AI system crawling all of this stuff. And it's like, okay, we can, we can track, you know, all of these assets, all of this information, uh, as we, as we go, which, which is exactly what blind Ed is trying to do. Awesome. All right. I that makes it. me, like that makes me wonder, and I don't know if this comes off as ignorant, but when, when we're talking about, it, it would be nice to be able to just say, well, okay, that's me. Cause I was thinking about that Netflix documentary about the revenge porn guy or whatever. Um, but like, if you do find that someone's posting things that were in private chats and we were able to delete those, are they really deleted from the internet of things or is, is that data always going to be out there regardless? Yeah. So, right. If I send you something on your screen and you screenshot it. Yeah. I mean, I can send you, you know, bank accounts, social security numbers. You can screenshot it. Yeah. There's. There's no way of, uh, there's no perfect world. There's no like a perfect answer for us to control sure. it. There's no, like, there's no perfection when you go out on the streets. Yes. I mean, you can get hit by a car, like, but you take risks. Like when you walk on the street, when you look left and right before you cross, you still don't know if you're going to make it to the end. Yeah. 99.9% you're like very likely going to end if you're cautious, but there's always a chance. There's always a chance like a comet hit the earth and we all disappear like dinosaurs. I don't know, but that's not the point. The point is like, <laughs> From what you control within a specific platform, you still have the ability to control how and what, how your personal information is used and for what yep. purposes, right? And again, yes, I can solve the all the privacy problems of the internet, but if we start by one company and you know and and move on, then we'll we'll be a better place in the future. Vuk, I know you're working on solving multiple problems associated with privacy in the internet. Like that's, that's what you and your yeah. team are up to. But if you could only solve one privacy problem, just the one, 
digital or otherwise, online or offline? What's the one that you saw? One thing that, again, it's near and dear one in my passion is, is transparency, right? And this is what I get a lot of pushback by compliance and legal people saying, like, we have all these privacy policies, go read it. And what we did with one of our web components from transparency, right, is to standardize some of the intake questions, some of the requests of, of categories, exactly. What's the marketing purposes, operational purposes, et cetera, et cetera, right? To standardize it so it's easy to digest for your average consumer. I always say, like, if your grandparents or your parents, depending on their age, but if somebody who is above 50 or 60 can easily understand the output of a screen, it'll be like, here's your information and here's how to use it without reading some sort of, again, 30-page legal document, then that's a success. I think if we solve that of what systems are collecting and how is this data being used, in a very simple fashion so that everyone and their mother can understand, I think that is that is a clear step forward for the internet as a whole. It's I like it. it. I like it. I love it a lot. It's, it's definitely a challenging, challenging perspective. Where we yeah. sort of started is exactly for SMBs, right? So as we were building Blindnet, which is kind of interesting because we were building this platform for enterprise companies, right? We actually started getting pulled by SMBs, by like one of our VCs, one of our lawyers, literally our first clients are people who were like servicing us, like a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist. They were like, this is really cool, but we don't have developers. Like we don't have IT. Like there's not one. We don't have an IT, like, you know, but we want this. We like, we totally get it. What you're trying to do. Can you, can you do something for us? Right. And we already have a service offering for, small and medium businesses, which we call private form and private form. Think of this like a Google form or a type form competitor where you collect some sensitive information. But again, it's fully powered by the privacy stack of blindnet. Like, so you have data security and to encryption, you have metadata tagging. So you understand what data you collect on people, you give them ability to request access and modification deletion of the data. Right. But it's, it's a very, very narrow defined use case on data collection, right? And we use that as as an example to small and medium businesses to be like, hey, you could actually be a better, like don't use emails, don't use Google Amazing. Forms, right? You I don't do know have if- a better, better and more modern alternative. We started exactly two years ago. I would say we're, we're a Corona pandemic, pandemic company, embraced the um, remote work culture from the get-go. Um, we took a little bit of time to really find our footing. And when I say that, it's like, it's very normal for every startup to sort of pivot the idea of, of the of the original, what we wanted to do. We started with this whole idea of creating like an easy to use tour like network. Like we, we thought of privacy, like, oh, what if nobody can trace your information? And they were realized, well, they're actually very good startups <laughs> already doing it. There's no point of of competing with that. And they were like, oh, why don't we do this catalog? And they realized, oh, wait a minute, there's like 10 other companies, some of them like unicorns um, that are already doing this. And then, you know, working with some of the early adopters, our product council um, clients, we realized, okay, but what if you have this privacy first or privacy preserving metadata model, automation of privacy requests and stuff, stuff, stuff that we're building today is, is privacy, privacy preserving interoperability protocol. So like, you can share data as a company, you can share data with third parties, external parties. And according to GDPR and CPR, you're still liable for evasion. So you have the ability to say to the third party, okay, this person revoked consent, you have to delete that data. 
da, 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 da. So it's very hard for companies to do that today. And it's very manually done. Um, but we built this automated process where you can share it with third party, um, your personal information, and then still enforce privacy requests. Nice. Very cool. A Tor-like network. I, I know a good pivot when I see one. Um, <laughs> that, that's actually um, a, an interesting place to start. Is, is there anything about uh, BlindNet that embodies its its original kind of um, start, if you would, right? Like that original DNA. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the DNA of the company, right, is still a much preserved. We we are passionate about privacy, but we're not, why well, we say we're not privacy freaks. Like we, you know, we want to create uh, a service offering that is easy to integrate and that is demanded on the market. What I mean by that, it's like, okay, great. We can create this Tor-like network. And I'm sure there are use cases out there. And, and again, there are startups who are doing very successfully with, with creating this sort of anonymized um, data exchange over internet protocols, but we're like, okay, this is not something that is hot in demand. It's not really solving the core concept of privacy. And again, so that's what we did. Like, what is privacy? How is it different from security? How is it different from secrecy? Like, Tor is more about secrecy, where privacy is about empowering users to control and and to understand their personal information in third-party systems, right? Tor is more about secrecy. We're like, okay, we can pivot and really hone in our value proposition. And then beyond the operational savings, which is pretty much um, every SaaS company positioning, instead of like you building on your own, we're going to give you SaaS, we're going to give you software as a service. We sort of started pivoting into this trust. With this user study, we realized, okay, you really have to brag. You really have to talk to your consumers and tell them like, oh, we're really doing everything we can to protect your privacy. Like, you know, for the past 20 years and some of your previous, um, uh, previous guests on this, on this podcast talked about this uh, evolution of security, you know, security. Can you guys still see me and hear me? Security design. And now we're in this sort of early inklings of, of privacy. Right? Yeah. I'm not really sure if I have I'm... to be at forefront of like, okay, this is how we, this is how we do it. When you think about like 20 years, like V by verified, it's like, you know, there's all these stuff that are people like really going forward to like, say your data is secure. But now it's sort of like, oh, we really respect your privacy. We're in that phase right now. Right, right. That's solid, solid. Cam, Cam, um, I would switch browsers. You still got Vivaldi installed? I've actually been using Vivaldi this whole time. I meant to shamelessly plug it before. I will because uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's a browser. It's a privacy focused browser. It was. Mm -hmm. The the uh, the founder of, of the inventor of the browser was on the show recently. Same gentleman who um, invented the old Opera browser, if you remember that one. And yeah, I was in the yeah. hunt for. Um, I like. I really appreciate that you you discern the difference between secrecy and privacy. We have not done that prior at all on this show ever. Um, why? It's largely because we're we've been focused on the the intersection of security and privacy, right? So, and you, you also framed some of this conversation, Vuk, right? Where security is the, it is, it is the, all of the things pertaining to the, the rightful access to data or the unrightful access to data um, versus privacy, yeah. which is, yeah, it is how uh, data is used um, 
when it has rightful access, right? Like there's the, there, there's correct. The, yeah. I always say the the best way to differentiate between security and privacy is a Twitter example. Like, you know, if somebody unauthorized access Twitter data, that is a data security breach, but Twitter got fined by the FTC for data privacy breach. And this is because people gave cell phone numbers for two-factor authentication, and they used those cell phone numbers for advertising targeting, yeah. right? And that is a privacy breach because you didn't give them phone number to be targeted, right? Right. So that is a privacy breach. Like an authorized person used that information, but for an unauthorized fashion, for an unauthorized intent. That's right. So I can right? That's a privacy breach. Go to the dentist. Right. And the secrecy is, is again, another misconception because in, in regular life, we say, let's have a private conversation. You kind of move to the side, which is not privacy. You know, this, that is secrecy. Like, cause like privacy, what you did, you're just controlling who you're disclosing that information to. Right. But you're not being secret. People see you, people see that you're moving to the side of a room and, yeah. and having a private conversation, but that is not secrecy. Secrecy, if you really want to be secret, you wouldn't be having that conversation. You would be like texting somebody, meet me outside so nobody knows. Like we that is secrecy, right? Privacy is just like I want to control, I don't want the rest of the room to hear it. So I want only you to hear what I have to say. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, very, very good distinction. Uh we'll we'll be certain to call that out in the future because I think the the latter two, privacy and secrecy, get conflated sometimes in such a way that is unhelpful to the larger understanding of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people do have, when, when I talk to general consumers, especially when we ran this study, is 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 a general, like, again, we already discussed the, the, the difference between security and, and privacy. And again, part of our mission is also to educate consumers. We're writing a lot of, like, blogs of sort of, like, what it actually means for privacy for online systems, right? And again, I'll send you the links after this, after this discussion to read the blog on white paper, which has the link to the white paper itself, right? Where we talked about like privacy in general setting, like what is privacy as a survival tool, not just for humans, but for animals in general, they've observed animals, you know, uh, exhibiting privacy like behavior, right? Where they need to protect privacy from, from the group, from the herd. Um, so that's sort of what humans do as well. Right. And we want to replicate that, very natural, very common behavior that we all do in real life online. Awesome. There's no reason why we cannot do that. Excellent. So we're gonna we're gonna move into our final part mm -hmm. of today's show, um, our fun section where we get real, we, we get extra deep and dark on the secrets. <laughs> secret sauce. Secret sauce. Yes. Now, normally my 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 homie here, Cam leads this session, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a swing today, um, and Cam will come in over. The top. But we'll start with we'll start with the question: What is the absolute worst advice you've ever been given? And it can be the worst privacy advice. That'd be even better. But the worst advice ever you've been given. And you don't have to tell us who gave you that advice. Well, this, this is not necessarily privacy. This is, um, of people just, you know, not believing in, in you or not being supportive, which with age and experience, I realize it's just envy or egocentrism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but just people be like, oh, you're not good enough. There's always this sort of 
idea, especially in a startup world that, you know, you're not good enough to lead a startup. You're not good enough to like build a startup or you're not good enough to go to this school or that school. You're not this employer. You're not good enough at Google. You're not, there's this whole idea of like, you're not good enough, which discourages people from trying. Right. And I've learned with, with age and maturity that you don't pay two cents. You don't pay a dime to those naysayers, Debbie Downers. And we're like, yes, I have my concerns. Yes, I'm concerned that I will fail, but that's not my driver. It's like my driver is where my passion is and it's to solve these problems. And I say like, if I can change one mindset at the time, one company at a time, that is a success. Yes, we all wanna grow faster, go 3X, 5X, 10X, but the advice, you know, that I've been given many, many times in many occasions, whether it's again, school, work, startup, it's just like, you're not good enough, you're not that. I'm just like, you know what, with the age, you just like, just brush it off, just like water off sucks back and, and move on. Enough. Didn't they get the memo that the wolf is good enough? <laughs> Someone needs to let them know that the wolf is yeah. ready. Yeah, and then another another thing when it comes to privacy, and, and I mentioned earlier, um, I mentioned earlier is people say like, oh, well, I don't care. I have nothing to hide. And, you know, this is, this is the educational piece. People are like, why are you working on it? It's like sort of doesn't matter. Privacy doesn't matter. I'm like, no, privacy does matter. It's, it's your ability to control who and what uh, collects and uses your personal information. It's like, it's not about you hiding. Again, we go back to secrecy. It's like, now you're being hidden or right. withholding information. Right. It's just about you having the ability to control the information, right. which you don't have for the majority of the internet. Beautiful. I got one more and then I'll let, uh, let my bud get back in there. So you mentioned, I think you mentioned like Reddit and, and Facebook and and low YouTube and Reddit and, and conspiracies and YouTube and Reddit being hotbed for conspiracies. So I got a question for you. What conspiracy mm -hmm. would you like to start? The, the internet is helpless and we cannot, we cannot prevent this modern online surveillance. That's pretty decent. That's a pretty decent conspiracy. It's really good because I think most people would just buy it. Like, oh, of course. That's solid. Yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah, 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 it's sort of like <laughs> the opposite of blindness. It's like, it's, it's like I want to, you know, I want to see to what extent this can get like Orwell 1984 type of thing where it's just like, we're so helpless. And it's like, you know, we ended up all being in a communistic country where it's just like the government is just like monitoring everything we do. But it's like, okay, well. So your, so, your, so your conspiracy theory is to hold up a mirror to the world. Got <laughs> <laughs> Which is now that I said it actually out loud, it, there are parts of the world that, you know, this is actually a reality. Right, right. It's like, that's, that's why conspiracy theories are so powerful, why they really take hold. It's like, cause there's, there's some part of you that like, yeah, I'm buying this. I'm buying what you're selling. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if. What if? What if? What yeah. If? So if, if there's a conspiracy, I would try. I would try to do something that is totally opposite to my values and totally opposite what I invest my time and resources. I like it. I like it. How do I do, Cam? It's it's back to you. <laughs> Good man. I, can you guys hear me? Sorry for the def def def. Uh, uh, I can't even talk. You're live and technical difficulties. Awesome. No well, I got a fun. I got a fun one because um, it's been on my mind. So recently, I kind of. Oh, go ahead. And just time-wise, I, 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 let's let's finish the wrap it up with a question. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Last one. So, yeah. um, I, I recently dug into. I like. I, I'm fascinated by uh, serial killers and all that kind of stuff. But oh, I really same. 
Yeah, I recently dug into the West Memphis Three. Um, if you're familiar with it, I am so, actually not. Okay, well, I don't have to get into it, but you can look it up. You can Google it or uh, whatever. But um, basically, it's it's three kids that were murdered, and then three um, teenagers were put in. They were wrongfully accused mm-hmm. and put in jail for like 18 years. Okay. Anyways, my question to you is, if you were wrongfully accused and you were put in jail for 18 years, let's say in their situation, it was in like the 80s. So when they got out, everything was so different with the world when it comes to like credit cards, cell phones, like all that kind of stuff. What do you think would be the most fascinating thing to you coming out of prison for like 20 years and not experiencing that change um, in technology and stuff, what do you think would blow your mind coming out in 2022 or something? I think I I have a profound respect for chemical engineering and general like mm. pharmaceuticals and and whatnot. Just the the fact that we the fact we develop like the you know RNA vaccine to respond to a virus in like six months. And yeah. as you know, it was it was a truly a technological miracle. I, I think people will talk about it going forward that we were able to do that in six months. When you think about the first flu outbreak, you know, in 1920s, the Spanish flu, it took them like six years or something to develop a vaccine. And many, many people died along the way mm-hmm. to do that. The fact that we did that and in a, in a, in a, in a sort of controlled and strict environment with all the two to, to a large extent checks and, and, and gates. I think that was, that was what really struck me. So like 20 years from now, I can't even imagine what the the world will look like when it comes to, you know, health tech or med tech. This is like the fusion of, of modern AI ML systems with like chemical engineering, what Moderna is doing, what Pfizer is doing. There are a bunch of other startups doing sort of this like innovation when it comes to nanotechnologies. I, I mean, I, I, I am avid reader of, of technology review, MIT's technology review. And just like, every time I read what they're doing, there's like nanorobots that are like folding mm-hmm. themselves in guts. And I'm just like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I'm just, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you created some, some robot that can, you know, I would say like transportation or mm-hmm. sort of like the, the like movement of matter. I think what if science fiction, I mean, this is not that far off. What if you can like disintegrate in molecules and, and some other parts, like, you know, somebody like puts you apart from the same molecules and whatnot. It's sort of like, oh, you can actually, you know, transport yourself. And when they can get my order right. Without- <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, like the fact that, you know, we can now with RNA, we have an ability to, you know, defeat viruses. Like I think that for me, that is the, you know, if I have, if I don't have to think about money, that is something, you know, I would definitely just like, I would be fascinated just to read about it and just be part of that, part of the community, even though I have no expertise, no education, no training, nothing to be in sort of chemical engineering. But this is something that just fascinates me when I read what people are doing. And, and I can't even imagine what 20 years from now is going to look. I'm not even going to try to like, again, yeah. like George Orwell, I'm not even going to try to predict because I, I, when I read what they're doing today, I'm still like, I, I didn't even imagine that this is possible. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's amazing. Awesome. But anyways, um, Vuk, yeah. 
Thank you so much for for joining the Absolutely, show. This was guys. fascinating. Coming on the show, Vuk, or a lot, a, a whole lot. Here's the thing: we also, I also run. Um, okay, I'm kind of too. But anyway, there's um, there's a little GitHub project that we also have. Private, awesome privacy engineering. I want to add you and your team to the list there because you guys, you guys are really working on on some awesome stuff there. But I'll need to create a new commercial section. By all means, yes. We also we also moved all our companies in Git, and we use Git for pretty much everything. Awesome sauce. I'll go ahead and and and, uh, and add some of the links that you send our way there as well as well as the organization. We'll pop the rest of your contact information into the show notes. Any closing words for our guest today? Um, we can do better, and there's a way. Right on. I appreciate there's that. There's no no yeah. excuse to not be privacy to not build privacy preserving experiences. Right. Perfect. I say, Vuk, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome guys. I appreciate you having me. I, I will send over again, the link to the, the white paper, which is in GitHub uh, <laughs> and, and the blog, which is on our website. And you can just put it on the, on the description for the, for the episode. Get those things updated. I love it. Vuk, a pleasure having you on the show. We'll be in touch. We'll have, hopefully we'll have. Absolutely. Point. Right on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be happy to come back. Excellent. We'll do it in another year and see how the company's doing. Exactly. Yeah. Let's let's keep in touch, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good awesome. one. Awesome. Thanks, Fook. Bye. Hey, you guys made it all the way to the end. Thanks for listening. Again, if this is your first time, we really appreciate the support and everyone that's always been around since the beginning. We love you guys. Keep supporting privacy, please. And we'll always have new content each and every week. Cameron Ivy, over and out.